Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, the Church of Delaware and Belleville, if you're watching, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I want to start with um, Isaiah 54. It, it sounds like a bit of a funny scripture to start with, with all the babies that we've been having. <laughs> but it applies to more than women. So Isaiah 54, I'm just going to read some of the verses there. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the left and to the right, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Then on down verse 10, he says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. It sounds like he's talking to a woman, and that definitely does apply. But if you continue reading on down in the chapter, you realize that he's actually talking to Israel. Israel felt forsaken by God. Israel was gone through an incredibly barren time, and here's God speaking to them, saying, I haven't forgotten about you. I, you're still on my mind. You could remove all the mountains. You could take all the hills away, yet my kindness won't leave you. Yeah, you feel barren, but this is a time to begin to rejoice. This is a time to actually begin singing. Barrenness isn't bad. It's winter right now, outside. <laughs> it got warm for a couple of days. And then last night, boy, did you feel that cold coming on? <laughs> and it's cold again this morning. It's really barren outside. And I don't think I could even tell you how many people that I've talked to in the last uh, couple of weeks, couple of months, who say they, I don't think they use the word, I feel barren, but that's what they describe. You feel like not a whole lot's happening. Barrenness, a de definition for barrenness is unfruitful, unproductive. You feel bleak, feel a little lifeless. I don't know. Have you ever been there? <laughs> okay. Because I know what that feels like. And I think every single person in here knows what that feels like as well. So, naturally, when you feel that way, you start to feel discouraged. But I'm going to try to encourage you that when you feel barren, when you feel that part of like there's nothingness inside my spirit, nothingness going on, that's your signal 
this is time to start singing. This is a time to actually begin to praise the Lord because he's setting you up for another season. Barrenness isn't bad. If you feel that, it's a good thing. If your life is just cruising right along and everything's amazing, I'm happy for you. Like, I'm actually happy for you. But you will experience barrenness. Because it's a time when God begins to make room in your life. He starts to move things around and he starts to make room. Maybe if you're in a season of barrenness, maybe you're supposed to begin to treat it like Hannah did. You know Hannah's story? 1 Samuel 1. Hannah was a barren woman. She couldn't have children. But it pushed her into the presence of God. And she began to pray with an intensity. People actually thought she was drunk. Like she was that serious about it. But she began to pray and pray. And the pastor, or Eli, actually called her out and said, put your wine away. She said, I'm not drunk. I'm barren. And I'm praying that God would begin to bless me. Because there's nothingness happening inside. And that's actually what happened. But God didn't bless just her. Her barrenness, her barren season, turned into a blessing for the entire nation of Israel through the birth of Samuel. I think the same thing God did for Hannah, God can do for you. The same thing God did for Hannah, he can do for me. But maybe it's to begin to push us into the presence of God. Find that secret place that so easily evades us. Andrew and Becca, welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Uh, how about Jabez? If you're, if you're over 25 or over 30, you probably know about the prayer of Jabez. If you're younger than that, you probably don't. <laughs> there was a book. It was a wonderful book, and then it got really criticized. But I, I love Jabez. Jabez is two verses in the Bible. In 1 Chronicles, there's a story about a young man. His name was Jabez, and his mother named him Jabez, which means pain, because I bore him in pain. You know, we always try to name our children some nice thing that has meaning behind it and all this. I don't know what was wrong with these Bible women. They, they did not name their children nice things. It's like Ichabod, the glory departed. Pain, because I was in pain. You live with that. But that's what his name meant. So he lived with that. It said he was more honorable than all his brothers. But he, he began to pray a prayer. And I'll read the prayer for you. It says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. So people literally called him pain, like as in you're such a pain. But he began to press in. I don't, I don't, I, we have no details on his life, but he began to pray a prayer that said, oh God, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. God, would you begin to enlarge the place of my territory? Would you begin to 
enlarge my responsibilities? Would you begin to give me more than I just have? That sounds like a selfish prayer, but it actually wasn't. He began to pray a prayer out of his place of feeling a lack, like he actually needed more. God honored it. That's Jabez's story. This week, I was um, pruning some of my fruit trees. And um, Ben Labar, thank you for the encouragement for me to get moving on that. I ignored him for years. You know, if you buy an abandoned property, uh, there's a lot of work to be done. And so you just ignore, ignore certain things. He's just like, no, another year, another year, I'll get to it. But I have a bunch of fruit trees on my property that have been abandoned, left alone for probably 20, 20 or more years. Like, they're awful. And so this week, this is the time to begin. If you're an actual, like, horticulturalist, just ignore everything I'm going to say in the next little while because I'll probably say some things that aren't <laughs> accurate. But if I understand the winter season, that's when you do the pruning. Is that right? All right. Nobody else knows, so I'm all good. <laughs> I went out there and I started cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting on these trees. Winter season, when everything is barren, when nothing is moving, nothing, not a whole lot's happening, that's when you actually make room on the tree. You expand. You open things up for new life to happen once the sunshine comes. Like, you get rid of things. This is a season to get rid of things so that you're ready when the next season comes. So there's all these suckers on the tree. Anybody know what a sucker is? A sucker is just a little shoot that comes out from the tree, and they come out all over. They don't produce fruit they just suck the life away. And so I'm hacking and I'm hacking and I'm hacking all these things off. Jesus saw a grapevine and he made a comparison to your life. We're going to go to John 15 and look at that. We'll read John 15. 1 to 11. These are the words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, 
And they gather them and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. If there's anything that I've heard the Lord speak to me in the past season, it's about the importance of abiding. I don't think there's anything that a Christian, uh, that's more important for a Christian to remember than the importance of abiding. And we'll talk about what abiding means. But first I want to look, just go to the first verse and we'll go down through it. We're not going to go verse by verse, but let's get some of this truth. Jesus is the vine. You and I, we're branches. God is the farmer. God is actually in charge. God is the one who does the pruning. He's the one who gets to look at your life and say, here's what would make something beautiful for this branch. I think he examines each and every branch. In the second verse, he says, every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. This week when I was pruning my trees, I cut off so much dead wood completely lifeless, completely unproductive. It died, so I cut it off. I wanted to make room for new growth. I wanted to make room on the vine or on the tree, and so I just began to cut it off. So it's a warning. <laughs> it's a warning. Don't be dead wood. You know how you do don't be dead wood? You abide. You have to stay connected. That's what it looks like. If you abide, you will bear fruit. So it's a promise. I don't think you have to worry about becoming dead wood. Just abide. Stay connected. The exciting part is in the second part of the verse 2. It says, if you bear fruit, he's going to examine your life and prune you. Did you ever see a grapevine right after it was pruned? I want to make sure you guys are listening. Did you ever see a grapevine right after it was pruned? Raise your hands. All right, there we got a little participation. It looks a little barren, right? It looks a little bit like, oh man, did you just kill that? Like there's not a whole lot going on. But it's actually for the health of the vine. It's for the health of the branches. Jesus said that pruning makes room in your life. It clears the clutter. It actually makes room for you to be able to experience more fruit, bigger and better things. It's actually what it is. What are the things that he prunes in your life? 
That's a question for each one of us. What are some of the things he prunes? I think it's anything that stops the life of Christ, anything that stops the fruit of the Spirit from blossoming in your life. If you allow him, those are the kind of things he begins to look for. What's stopping the flow? So it could be, it could be really good things sometimes. It could actually be ministry things, maybe. Do you ever consider the possibility of that? Like, he doesn't just prune out sin. On the trees that I pruned, there was all these vines that came up over the tree, and actually, like, they would kill the branch. Like, come up, and you notice that anywhere those vines were, there's dead branches. So it's not just evil things that he prunes. Sometimes it's good things. Sometimes it's useless things. But whatever is stopping the flow in your life, those are the kind of things he goes after. In just the past several months, I can think of a number of things that God spoke to me about. Let's go to verse 3 real quick. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. One of the ways that he prunes is by speaking to you. The word clean there is actually the word prune. It's the exact same Greek word. So you're already clean because of what I've spoken to you. So pruning looks like him speaking into your life. So in just the past several months, I can, I can think of several times when I'm reading the Bible and all of a sudden I feel conviction on something. Boom. Like, I know that applies to my life. So right there, that's pruning. Now me actually carrying through with what he just spoke to me about, that's abiding. That's part of abiding. That's him giving us something and us coming in and doing our part as well. Do you understand what I'm saying, guys? This is actually super important for our lives. So in the prayer meetings that we had at the beginning of the year, we stood around here and I remember one of the questions that was asked was, Oh Lord, would you speak to me about something that I should is there anything that I should change in my life? And I heard the Lord speak to me about my morning routine right there. An unproductive part of my life that was unfruitful. And it was hindering me. Did I know that? No. Not until he spoke to me about it. But then my part of abiding is to actually follow through and help things to change. So he prunes, and I abide. <clears throat> so, I don't know, what's pruning for you? <laughs> I think he'll speak to you if you have an open heart. I think he'll speak to you out of his word. And if you ask him, it's a relationship, he'll speak to you as well. It could be a relationship with a person. It could be a group of friends. It could be something that you're filling your mind with. I used to listen to eight hours plus a day of talk radio and loved it. It was my life. <laughs> and I remember one day I went to turn the dial, and I don't know how I knew, but I knew that it was over. And I shut it off, and I 
I, I don't know if I missed it. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was adding something into my life that was unproductive. And so when I cut it, I, I allowed God to cut it out. It automatically made room in my life. For God to fill it with something that he wanted to fill it with. So if he does it with me, he'll do it with any of us. And he wants to. He wants to. It could be a mindset. One of Bill Johnson's, one of my favorite quotes that Bill Johnson has is, I can't afford to have a thought in my mind about myself that God doesn't have in his mind about me. You can, you can like just think about that one for a while like that's really amazing I got a whole bunch of verses about God's thoughts for you but why don't you find them yourself <laughs> if, you, if you have mindsets that you know are stopping you begin to fill them with the word of God there's some beautiful stuff in Psalms about God's thoughts towards you Why don't we uh, talk just a little bit about abiding. The next four verses, four through eight, are all about abiding. One of the, I already mentioned this before, but one of the most important things for you as a Christian to learn and to remember is how to abide, what abiding means. And abiding has a couple different things. If you abide in Christ, it gives you living power, power to live as a Christian, one of the things to remember is abiding is the same as getting plugged into a power source. It's like getting plugged in. So stay plugged in. Alan's back here. Alan cleans his room every week. And I'm here sometimes when he's here vacuuming. Every single time he does, takes that vacuum, plugs it into one of these outlets in the back, and it can actually accomplish something. If you abide in Christ, it's like plugging in your sweeper. <laughs> you got to stay plugged in. You have to. Christ is the source. He's the one who will give you the power to live your Christian life. If you abide, it gives you transforming power. Abiding gives you the power to transform your life. Romans 12.2 says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. First, 2 Corinthians 3.18, as we behold the glory of the Lord, we are transformed to look like him. I just heard a very famous psychologist say this, and he said, um, he said it's, this guy doesn't claim to be a Christian, but he said it's very well documented since the 1950s that the only rehabilitation for a person that actually lasts is accompanied by a spiritual experience. He said, nobody talks about that because they'd have to acknowledge that there's a higher power, that there's a God. But he said, very well documented. Everybody knows it, doesn't talk about it. Jesus actually does make a difference. He actually does make a difference. <laughs> Some of you met my cousin Tom, my Amish cousin Tom. 
that was here several months ago for six weeks because he had a drug addiction. 50 years old, actually older than that, 60, <laughs> with a drug addiction. Tom is doing great. I just talked to Tom not too long ago. Tom is doing great. I just said, like, has it been more difficult than you, like, expected? He said, I, I don't even know how to tell you this, but I, I'm, I'm not even tempted in that area anymore. He said, God just completely took it out of my life. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's something that AA can't give you. Any of you remember Penn's apple story? Penn's apple story. It's one of the best stories. Penn tells a story about apples, bad fruit in your life, and things that just don't fall off. And he talks about um, the orchard out across from their house. He said, in the wintertime, he'll notice that there's still little apples hanging on to those vines, things that just won't fall off. In the snow, in the ice, the cold, all of that, those things just grip on. They're like a definition of works of the flesh, things that just won't fall off. He said, but boy, when the springtime comes, as soon as new life hits those branches, all the bad apples fall off. Boom, just like that. That's a good story from Penn. <laughs> so part of abiding is communication. We call that prayer. Can you imagine for a moment? Don't imagine long because it's a really bad imagination. Imagine you're married to somebody that you never talk to unless something in the house is broken or unless the kids are driving you crazy. That's the only time you talk. <laughs> well, that's how some Christians pray. <laughs> they don't have that kind of abiding relationship where they just have a relationship and communion. They only talk to God when something's broken or when the kids are throwing a fit. <laughs> There's no transformation power in that. So I have three promises here and then we're done. Abiding has promises in it. There's three promises here that he gives you. You have a promise of pruning if you abide in Christ. A promise of pruning. If you don't like how that sounds because it sounds, you know, like it hurts. Just think of it. You have the promise of being his priority. You're his priority. He'll actually spend time with you. He examines your life because he loves you. He sees things that aren't helping you, so he helps you make room in your life, cutting things out. You have the promise of bearing fruit. Galatians 5. If you want to take time to read Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and has a whole list of the works of the flesh right there with it. You bear fruit, your life will matter, and you will make a difference in the world. And then, you, abiding has the promise of asking whatever you desire, and it will be done. That's down in verse 7. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. That's a pretty big blank check. Usually we spend more time explaining why this isn't going to work than that, than that it's a promise. So why don't you just meditate on it for a while? It's pretty amazing. Abide in him. It's part of the promise. So, verse 9. 
It says, abide in my love. You know what that means? Allow my love to nourish your heart. Do you know how a tree or a grapevine receives nourishment? Up through the ground, obviously. But they also need sunshine. They also need the sunshine to hit them. I oftentimes just see God's love on me like the sun that's continually shining down on my head. It's shining. Like if you're alive and you're sitting in here right now, God's love is shining on you right now, even if you don't feel it. Sin and shame allow clouds to come over top that you don't feel the effects of it. But if you will sit in his love and allow his love to nourish you, just like a tree would stand out there, spread out its branches and receive the love, you'll be nourished. Why don't you stand up and I'll pray with you. <clears throat> There's a couple things I want you to remember. If you're in a season of barrenness, it's time to sing. It's a season... It's a signal that another season is on the way. It's a time to begin to make room in your life. Allow the Lord to make room in your life. So, Father, right now we want to thank you for every season that we get to experience. Even the barren seasons. Because we know this is a time that you long to make room in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you would show each person, person how to apply this to their life. Lord, we say yes to your pruning because we know it's your love. It's the way that you long to glorify yourself in our lives. We say yes to it. Lord, would you teach each one of us how to abide, what that looks like. Thank you, Father. Lord, speak to each one this week. I ask that you go with us, that you'd make our ways successful. Watch over each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.